Good morning, Mrs. Strawberry, and good morning, Mrs. Otto Lino Laryngologist. Oh boy, it's gonna be an interesting episode. I am your host, Shana Dumchuk, and my guest this episode is an extremely uh, talented uh, Canadian French fave, pop culture aficionado, and all around lovely human, Mr. Rod Peter Jr. We're gonna try and make the world a better place one word at a time. Our word this week is extremely difficult to spell and even harder to say. It's Otto Lino Laryngologist or something very similar to that, but we'll get to that shortly. This podcast goes for 25 minutes, but first, <laughs> as always, it's time for the three-point check and some home truths. Rod, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. How is your head, your heart, and your tummy? How is my head, my heart, my tummy? I feel like that's supposed to be a, a very easy question. It's Not seemed, always. It's actually a pretty loaded, a loaded question, eh? I think, I think lately it's uh, become a lot more difficult to answer than it used to be yeah yeah i think so yeah my head my head right now is uh it's okay uh it's getting better i'm just i'm taking a break from social media at the moment so uh just things can only get better while you do that yeah exactly so my head was in a very kind of mess state uh because we just also had our uh elections a couple of days ago with so uh, very, very little change from what I understand, right? Yeah, very little change, but there was a lot of concern. So, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of, we always feel like we're on the precipice of a, you know, following in the footsteps in with America mm-hmm. and their politics. Um, and as an artist, obviously I'm anti-conservative. Uh, so <laughs> there's still a lot of that sort of concern. And uh yeah, I was on tour and uh, saw a lot of uh, anti-mask, anti-vax. Um, it's it's frustrating uh, no matter how much people. you see it. It gets worse the more you see it, in fact, I find. Yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of protesting going along because uh, the, the election was just about around the corner, but a couple mm-hmm. of days, so that's when it was happening. And uh, so my head was uh, in a very messed state. Uh, my heart... I feel like my heart's in the right space. Right. I feel like my heart's doing good. Um, and my tummy feels a little bit bloated because I'm in the midst of changing my diet. So that's, yep. I'm back into like carbing hard. Yeah, I've just, and, I've actually uh, interrupted you uh, mid, mid-workout. Chips. Is that right? Yeah. And I've started doing late night workouts uh-huh. rather than morning workouts. Cause well, that's I my, appreciate my you taking the bed, time. So I get to do it in the morning. Just get ripped at late night hours. I know, right? Yeah, late night reps. Um, you've just come off the back of uh, Iago versus Hamlet, and I'm Batman eighty nine to ninety seven at mm. the Vancouver Fringe. Uh, how was the the tour this year? Was it very different? What was the vibe like in this new uh, new COVID fringe world? Uh. I don't know what, like, what did, what did you do? Did you do any shows? No, I wasn't, I don't think they're really open to no. internationals at the moment. So I haven't been to Canada for, for two years now, which is, right. which is really did tough. Did you do Adelaide though? Uh, I was supposed to do Adelaide, but it, I ended up having to cancel my season because of, guess why? Guess why? Right. Guess why? Have a guess yeah. why though. <laughs> Let's see if you can guess why. Is it, is it, well, they probably just had too many people. Yeah, there's too, too, too many, too many tickets sold. Right? That was the problem. Too many, yeah. too many ticket sales. Yeah. yeah. I can only assume. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was weird. It was very weird. I did Victoria Fringe, uh, Victoria, Vancouver Island, Canada. Yep. Um, so I did that Fringe with I'm Batman, which was a new solo show. Uh, and then did Iago versus Hamlet, which was uh, the Jason McDonald two-person Shakespeare comedy ripoff um, in Vancouver. And mm-hmm. they were completely different shows and completely different experiences. No doubt. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ever going to... Uh, Whatever, I'll say it. Who cares? Vancouver Fringe isn't going to listen to this. Uh, I'm never doing Vancouver Fringe again. Uh, I'll just say it. <laughs> if, if, I'm going to, if I'm going back to Vancouver. Exclusive scoop. Yeah. Uh, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going back. Uh, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it financially. Yeah. It's uh, just going downhill. And um, yeah. And then if somebody wants to put me in a show, then... I want a fee for that festival. Yeah. I'm not taking a cut because it's so expensive and no one sees the theater there even pre COVID. So it was like pulling teeth, getting people to see theater. Um, The show itself was great. People loved it and uh, had a great experience. And we now know that we have a show that's really awesome to tour and working with John Patterson was a delight. I'd never worked with him before. Who's a fellow touring fringe artist as you know um so yeah that was really cool and then for, the uh, for all my australian listeners uh john patterson and jason mcdonald's are a pretty uh well-known stalwarts on the canadian fringe circuit writers and producers and all-round mm-hmm. uh rad dudes yeah i said it <laughs> yeah he's pretty like john's a really cool cat it's uh it's fun it was fun kind of you know working with him and what was crazy about this is we rehearsed everything via facebook messenger oh my god so what was that experience like That's the entire so time yeah so if you want to know what it, it's it it was weirdly re- rewarding um and yet immensely uh i don't want to say well well nerve-wracking I would say is the word it's immensely nerve wracking um, because I'd be sitting where I am now in like my garage studio and he would call me whenever he was free. So yeah. he would just call me on a bike ride. He would call <laughs> me in between work shifts. Wow. Um, he'd be like, I'm making a meal. I'll call you and run lines. And we would just read the script over and over and over and over again. Kind of like, like this sort yeah. of situation. And, uh, and then slowly try and memorize it. And we did that for months. And sometimes we would do it via video. And then most of the time we'd be like mid video. And then he would go, oh, I got to get on my bike because I got to go to work. And so he would click to just audio only. And I'd hear him in the wind, biking <laughs> on his headphones. And I'd be saying my lines. And all I'd hear is like, well, I'm assuming you've said your cue line. Yeah, I'll, and I would I'll just stop talking when the wind was noisy. To, yeah. Uh, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. But the interesting thing is we really became good at listening to each other yeah. on stage. So when we finally got on stage with each other, it was weird being physical and being in each other's bubble. But the thing is, if I wasn't looking at him, I would know, you know, right down to where he was going just by the patter of his his lines or I'd know if he was 
slightly off cue or, I, you know, I, I knew exactly where I was in the show just by listening to him. So how close to opening night was it before you actually got to do the show in the same room, in the same space? Okay, so we opened September 10th, and I arrived in Vancouver September 7th. God damn. And we hadn't seen each other in two years. Yeah. Uh, And then I went to an Airbnb because he was in Vancouver. So I went to Burnaby, which is like a two-hour bus ride (laughs) outside Vancouver. And I bussed all the way to this Airbnb, dropped off my stuff because I was on Vancouver Island. So I had to ferry over and do all this. Got up at like 6 a.m. to get there. And then by around four four o'clock, we met in a field and Jason McDonald, who hadn't been in one meeting at that point, showed up to direct the show. And so we just went, all right, this is what we're doing. Hopefully we got this. And uh, yeah, it was an exercise in learning uh, where to stand, where to go, your intentions, all that sort of stuff. In Rapid fire days. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what fringe it was, it was is all about, crazy. baby. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It totally felt very fringy, which was kind of a great needed thing in our yeah. lives. You know, this kind of like we have no time. We just got to do this thing, do this thing. Because now we're sitting around with COVID, doing nothing, and just go like, okay, let's work. And you're just really working, really intense. Amazing. Um. um right. So we are, we're cool. going to get to a really cool experience. We're going to get to uh, the amazing word that you've picked, uh, but I have to let you know that as my guest on the podcast, you get to ask me uh, a question. It can be as serious or as silly as you like, and my only job is to give you an honest answer. Um, So basically, the floor is yours to ask me any question uh, that you would like to ask. Uh, I think the question that I sent you was, uh, I believe it had to do with banks. Uh, why do banks chain charge you for in, insufficient funds when you don't have enough money on your account to pay it? Oh, that is a very good uh, question. My honest answer and not, is not the joke answer. Know. But what's the legit? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I assume greed, or like as a preventative measure from stopping you from getting a negative balance, if possible, so that you don't get charged. Probably. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, as a de- as a deterrent slash greed is is my answer, but surely that's got to be be the reason. Because yeah, it does seem to uh, sort of defy logic a little bit. But sometimes when it comes to banks, uh, there's lots of things I don't understand. There's it's so there's many types apparently of overdraft fees. Hmm. There's things about so we don't do so many crimes. Overcast fees. I'm just. I'm going to spend right the next. Uh, Knowing your time. Okay. Ordering. <laughs> um, the word that you've picked uh, for this episode, you've already heard me struggle to say it, listener, a couple of times. Uh, Otto Lino mm. Laryngeol Laryngologist Laryngologist. You want to have a crack at it? <laughs> Let's see. Otto Rhino Laryngologist. Laryngologist. Oh, I can't even say it when I hear it directly. Um, Otto so Rhino first, Laryngologist. Do you even know what this word means? Uh, why did you pick it? Uh, did you just want to see us stumble? Oh, I had no idea what the word meant. But I'm, I'm just absolutely fascinated when you said, uh, what's a word? And then what's a, uh, a question? Uh, just when 
right before COVID, I became immensely interested in just finding out random things I had no idea about. And right. so I just looked up two random things I did not know the answer to. Fantastic. So, uh, well, I mean, I feel like everyone's going to want to know what the word means. Um, so I'm putting the ball in your court while you're on the while you're in the yeah, library of. Google. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Doctors who specialize in this area are called, uh, I don't know what that, okay, let's see, Wikipedia. Okay, let's find this out. Uh, abbreviated, ORL, I guess that's what you could call them. Great. It's that's that's what I will be calling them from now on. endoscopic sinus surgical procedure. Okay. So it's a doctor who... A schnoz doctor. Head and neck surgery or ear, nose, and throat as a surgical, okay. Okay, all right. So it's an important so, job. Yeah, it's an important it's gig. A, my my brother the got it. Photos are showing that it's immensely complicated. Oh no doubt. My brother got a nose job, so he probably saw one of these people at some point. Probably. I would assume that it has to do with like going in. Yeah, getting right? in someone's face, uh, getting all up in them face. Yeah, patients seek treatment for uh, diseases of ear, nose, throat, base, or the skull, head, and neck. Okay. Cool. Um, so usually connected with sinuses. So Okay, so it, it would be, you know, or cancers, tumors. So anybody who I would assume has to go into where they're sticking cameras into your sinuses and your face and they're doing like microscopic. Finding facts surgery. in someone's face. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so on your journey uh, to find things that you didn't know, finding facts, uh, is there anything that's like really mm. sparked your interest that you didn't realize that maybe you had uh, an interest in or a passion for now that you didn't before you started this kind of uh, journey? I don't know if there's one thing. I'm just, I'm fascinated with, I am absolutely fascinated with this culture of people that now click on things and only respond to the headline as right. if that's a fact. Yeah, I'm yeah. fascinated with where we're now going with this culture of us going, this is what the fact is because I saw a thing because so-and-so told me because so-and-so, you know, got that information from another person, from another person, from another person. Yeah. And I'm very interested in doing the reverse of that. And anytime something comes up, uh, you know, I'll be having a conversation with somebody. I'm like, oh, I, what, was that, uh, what does that mean? And we're like, well, I don't know. And just going back and just regurgi regurgitating bullshit. The history of a word is, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, uh, there was a uh, recently, what was it the, r like a random thing I just learned was uh, like Glomar, the Glomar effect. So, and, and it's, uh, the Glomar is the, the line I can no, neither confirm nor deny. Oh, okay. And when did that, was that invented? And if you can look it up and it's absolutely fascinating finding out uh, when it was who invented it, mm -hmm. how it came about and you know, how it connects to like Russian submarines and how it's not something that's been around for, you know, hundreds of years. Yeah. It's right. relatively new. Um, you know, but just like interesting things where you're like, Oh, well, you know, just hearing, you know, I can neither confirm nor deny and going, where, where did that come from? Um, yeah. Just finding the, the origins yeah. of the species. Um, I really yeah. want to talk about, your show going back to I'm Batman 89 to 97, because I feel yeah, like sure. this is a show that I would uh, be yeah, well into. It sounds right up my alley. <laughs> Can you tell uh, everybody just a little bit briefly about what the, uh, the crux of the show is? 
Um, so the the elevator pitch is, I would say it's eighty nine. It's I'm Batman eighty nine to ninety seven, and I recreate all of the like nineties Batman films, the Michael Keatons and the Schumacher and stuff like that. Um, but I do them in reverse order from ninety seven to eighty nine rather than to eighty nine. Amazing. So you go through um, your your Clooney's, your Kilmers, your Keatons. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But then that's the way to get people in. What it's really about is about uh, my mother and my father and growing up as a kid. Yeah. Loving Batman and having people support you. And realistically about um, uh, supporting people and who they are. I I just, I really believe in no matter who you are as a human being, Mm -hmm. um, supporting others and who they are yeah and uh it doesn't matter you know how you dress how you look you know how you walk this earth you know supporting each other and who you want to be as a human being um and so that's sort of the underlining real message behind the whole show beautiful Um, because it's interspersed with stories of me growing up and it's done with slideshows of me dressing up as you know batman when i'm seven and going through it all and and i've got hundreds of photos of me as batman as so a it's a it's a very There's real so sort many. of like lifelong obsession with the dark knight Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And at the end, at the end of the show, during like the bow, I, I leave, but then there's a there's a slideshow of all of the stuff that I own now as an adult. Oh, <laughs> Just, amazing! As a fellow so collector, I'm very, very so jealous. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. well, I'm going to ask you a hard pop culture question, or maybe not so hard. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. something that you've thought about a lot. Can you rank for me your top uh, three Batman? Uh, it can be live action, animated, whatever, whichever three. Uh, Batman have really uh, done it for you, like performances. The like performances, yeah. Performances, yeah. Top three. Um, I don't know. I guess I. I feel like I just yeah. Going back and doing the research for the show. Um. I I do I I really do have a soft spot for Keaton. I think. There was something about Keaton as a number one. Without him, we wouldn't be making the movies that we're making now. Hundred percent, right? I don't. I just, yeah. I, you know, and how transformative he is. And I know that at the time, you know, you're looking at somebody who was doing comedy at that point. Like he could never do it. Yeah. And now you see interviews with him, and he's about to play Batman again. And you know, he just goes, "Well, I'm Batman." People lose their minds. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, well, no one else can do it. Um. So I feel like he's up there is that sort of number one um and then i would say conway is the animated is beautiful kind yep. of like your number two right um uh yeah and then I, I i suppose adam west i'm not i'm not a huge you know 66 fan uh i've seen them all mm-hmm. uh not my generation but i can acknowledge yeah what he did and yeah, you absolutely. Know, what he meant to other people. So I think I think that performance wise, those would be the three. I feel like Kilmer got a bad rap too. I think that Kilmer, if they had given him another shot at it, and it wasn't Schumacher, it would have been yeah. a completely different thing. I think that totally people, agree. if you see the documentary with him about uh, uh, what is it called, Val? Yeah, you realize, you know how how different he would have made that role if it had you know, kept and again, the, the vibe of the department yeah. stuff. 
And yeah, t- tough shoes to fill because for me, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman and Christopher Reeve's Superman are the the icons that will everyone else will always be mm-hmm. compared to, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and it's you know it's big it's yeah. big capes to fill, as it were. Um, so how how was the experience of reliving yeah. your childhood um, and you know current day obsession of Batman and bringing that to to other people? Was it was it well received? Yeah, I think a lot of people really enjoyed it. Um, it was fun. It was it was it's also a different it, a different experience because I knew quite early on in the writing experience that with COVID this was going to be a different type of show, um, and so the show will change over the years, obviously. But right now it was kind of a way of opening a door for people to say, Hey, it's okay to see theater. It's okay to clap. It's okay to laugh. It's okay yeah. to feel good about yourself. Um, there's a lot of people that, you know, I made the example that they, the first audience was like Frodo at the end of Lord of the Rings, where he's like, I don't remember what water tastes like, but they were just, you know, <laughs> like they go, I have no idea what laughter is. And they, yeah. you just like, it's okay. You can laugh. It's fine. Uh, we're going to get through this together. Uh, yeah, and so the people eventually open up, but I had to add some stuff at the beginning. I actually had to say a speech at the beginning saying, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to enjoy yourself. This is a safe space. That's great. Um, and just go at it with a ton of energy and enjoy it. Like I really needed to have fun myself. Yeah. And the, mo- the more fun I had, the more fun the audience had. I think with, with the with the struggles as performers in the last you know year and a half, especially of trying to get live theater happening again and being without it and really struggling to put it back in front of people and getting those people in front of you, um, the reward you know we really need to enjoy what we're doing to make the struggle worth it to bring theater back. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, really ho- no, I really I hope agree. I get to see I the agree. show at some point. By the way. Oh yeah, no, totally. I I mean. It depends on how well I can tour with a projector because all the slides and everything. So it's a lot. That's always the well. Hopefully, the I can come to you, know, you touring um, artist. So yeah. Um, yeah. Look, we are starting to run out of time, but I do want to ask you, uh, as a fellow pop culture uh, collector, as you said, mm. you have a pretty big Batman collection. I know you collect pops and other things. Is there one uh, oddity in your collection that has a great story behind it that you'd like to share? Because I'm always excited about the things that maybe not necessarily like the most valuable thing or the thing that you like, but just something that you mm. you obtained in a weird way or something that you're really passionate about. That's uh, you like to share Batman related or uh, anything, any anything. I mean, I've got some really great like Batman stuff. Um, I'll keep it with the Batman theme. How about that? Sure. Cause I've got, otherwise, otherwise you'll be like, Oh wow. Like you collect everything. Like, yeah. Oh, you have no idea. Um, uh, Batman. Um, so in the show near the end of the show, when I start doing Batman 89, when I, when I get into the last, the first movie, um, when I finally get to the point where I talk about the Batmobile and, you know, they get to that shot and, you know, get in the car. I'm like, what car? Beep. And it opens up and mm-hmm. Vicky Vale's there. Um, I stop the show and I start talking about that car. Um, and there was three big things that happened with me in my life at that point. Um, number one was I came out of that movie and I was like, I, I absolutely love this car. I need to, like, have this car. This Correct. is the coolest thing ever. And my dad said, do you want to sleep in the Batmobile? And then I was like, I don't know how that works. And uh, he was like, I'll make it happen. And two days later, he took my bed. And because my bed was a a spaceship. Oh, wow. uncle made me a spaceship bed. 
Yeah. So my dad took it out and modified it and repainted it and brought it back in. And it was the black Batmobile. Dude, that rules. I have a photo, like, which is like on the poster. It's me dressed up as the Batman next to that bed. So I yeah. slept in the Batmobile for like my entire childhood. That's um, awesome. And then, of course, I got there was like the toy and the big toy. Uh, you know, the one that like moves and everything. And my yep. mom like lied to me saying it was sold out, but then she found it. Um, and then when my wife and I bought our house this year, my mom came over with a box. And in that box, she said, I have something for you. Oh. I never got rid of it. And in that box was that Batmobile. And she had kept it all these years. Oh, uh, 10 points so to your mom. I know, sitting back up there. And, and it had the Riddler sitting in it <laughs> from like, great like the old riddler toy um but then the my favorite one is with the batmobile is i had little hot wheels i had two of them beautiful and i had one that was in my pocket all the time for school so i put this in my pocket every day and at recess i would play with this batmobile every day every day and then i'd come home and i have my second one and so the one i kept in my pocket it uh i lost it i lost it at school and no. then what ended up happening is i came home and i was like i'm so sorry i lost it my mom took me back to the school and it was outside and there was this like young teenager uh he had it upside down and he was rubbing it into the cement with his foot like breaking it mm. and because it was like steel and so he was rubbing it in and my mom like freaked out at this kid and made him give it back to me and Classic. uh I remember being like, no, no, it's cool. Don't worry, because I have two. One that looks like it went through an explosion, one that looks like it's normal, so I'll switch them. And my mom said, okay, fine, but never lose this again, because I'll never come back and take <laughs> it. Uh, I'll never go looking for it again if you lose it. And for some weird, bizarre reason, I kept that. Uh, I listened to her, and I still have it. It's the one thing that i've always kept with me no matter where i go i have the one that was always broken ah oh, I, I love that even in the show i brought it out and would like show people and it's always it's always on a shelf wherever i've moved it's always like in a living room so it's like the one little batman batmobile toy that uh that uh, it always just connects me to my childhood for some like weird, bizarre reason. Well, I mean, that is not worth anything, exactly but... the kind of thing that I was looking yeah. for. Um, look, we are out of time, but I have to ask you quickly. We talked about finding facts. We talked about passions, about supporting mm. people for who they are, uh, avoiding clickbait titles, and uh, a love for Batman. How can we use all of these things, um, if you could sum it up, to uh, try better ourselves and make the world a better place, Rod? I think it all connects to it's the it's still the acceptance, like all those things tie to acceptance, right? Yeah. All of those things. I think it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you like or dislike. It's, uh, you know, it's supporting each other. You know, it's uh, all those things come back to that. I I do. I fundamentally believe that if you lead with supporting other people, that others will support you, right? Because yeah. I honestly, I, I do believe that you people shouldn't have to look for support. Support should just be there. So it's like, you know, doesn't matter what you're doing with your life, you know, just uh, support each other. Take the time to be there for other people. And when you need it, they will be there for you. Um, we are out of time. Rod, would you like to tell anywhere, uh, if anyone wants to find you on the, on the social medias, even though you are taking a break, uh, is there anywhere you'd like to send them? Oh, yeah. I mean, if anyone wants to follow me. It's uh, all the social media is Rod Peter Jr. Thank you so much for being here. JR. It's all there. Yeah. Awesome. Um, it's been a, it's been a privilege, but our time is up until next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. See you later. Bye.
Hey there folks, thanks so much for checking out the latest episode of Good Morning Mrs. Strawberry. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did and you want to help us out and help the channel grow, make sure you like, subscribe wherever you get your good podcasts, and help us out by leaving a rating on those websites where you can leave ratings for podcasts. Also, if you'd like to check out some of the other stuff I've been doing, you can check out Cube Boy Collectibles. That's right, if you head to cubeboycollectibles.square.site, you can check out my art toys, art prints, skateboard decks, and other weird stuff I've been creating over the last year and a half. There's also stickers, button badges, postcards, and whole bunch of other stuff. That's cubeboycollectibles.square.site. Check it out. I hope you like it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Enjoy the rest of your lives.